Good morning to everybody. Good to see everyone and great to be here today. What a blessing and privilege. And uh, we need to take it as a blessing very seriously that we can come together and worship God openly and regularly. And uh, it's not that way everywhere in the world. So we're thankful to have this opportunity. If you're visiting with us today, you're special to us. We appreciate you being here. You're a great encouragement to us. We pray that your being here will be a great encouragement for you as well. As we study God's word and simply try to learn his will for our lives. And here at Sunny Slope, we just try to be the church that we read in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. A few moments ago, we sang a song entitled, It Is Well. And ultimately making the application, It Is Well With My Soul. I believe the reference for that particular song as it was written a long time ago, many years ago, was taken from the scripture text in the Old Testament that talked about the Shunammite woman. She had been barren for her adult life. She and her husband had no children. And then God blessed her with a son. As the text goes on, it talks about how that son, seemingly when he was still just a young boy, he, we don't know what the reason was, but he was in the field with his father one day. The, the son apparently was hot and don't know if he had heat stroke or what. It just, it just says that he died. And she got the servant to ride her to the prophet of God. And when she was seen at a distance by the prophet, he told his servant, it's the Shunammite woman. Go see, ask her the question, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And when she was asked those three questions, her response was all-inclusive. She said, it is well. It is well. I wonder if we could make that statement in the face of that kind of situation in our lives today. That... Basically speaking, from the perspective of, of God being there with us and for us, could we say, whatever the circumstance might be, it is well. As Monroe read a moment ago in Second Kings chapter 18, and also in, I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter 20 and verse 1, and it's interesting that it's repeated in Isaiah 38 and verse 1 that Hezekiah was visited by Isaiah the prophet and told, get your house in order, for you will die and not live. Hezekiah became king of Judah when he was 25 years old. The particular time setting for this statement or this instruction from God, prophecy, if you would, was, I, was Hezekiah was now 39 years old. He was sick, apparently grievously ill. And so God sent his prophet Isaiah to tell Hezekiah, set your house in order for you're going to die. 2 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 1, the text reads, It came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, 
And that would have been separate. That would have been the ten tribes to the north. And Hezekiah was, was king of the two tribes to the south. Judah it was, was what they were designated as after the split of the kingdom many years before. Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old he was when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father did. Bottom line, boiled down, the text tells us Hezekiah was a good king in Judah, faithful to God. And that was something to gain our attention because when you read through the history in first and second, well, in first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, you read that one king after another in both Judah and Israel, a whole lot of them and most all of them in the ten tribes to the north were not good kings. They were not faithful to God. They led their people into the worship of idols. And a number of those in Judah did the same. But Hezekiah was an exception. He was kind of a glowing example of faithfulness to God and dedication to God. And so he's even compared with David when he was king as being faithful to God. And so Hezekiah removed the high places, the places of worship that the, idol, the idolatrous priests had established. So basically he removed them, destroyed them, tore them down. He broke the images and cut down the groves and broke the, the broken pieces, the brazen serpent that Moses had made. And we're talking about hundreds of years back now, back into the wilderness wanderings. And so they actually had turned that into an idol, that brazen serpent that God instructed Moses to make and tell the people who had been bitten by some poisonous vipers, look upon the serpent and you will live. They were even using that as an idol, some kind of deity in their minds. And so Hezekiah comes along and he tears down those high places, those idolatrous places of worship. He breaks the, the, the images, you know, just breaks them up. He's destroying what it would seem to be the very presence and memory of that kind of ungodly, unfaithful, wicked practice of worshiping idols. And so he, for unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, that brazen serpent, and they, he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. Now you talk about a glowing example of righteousness, of godliness, of faithfulness, of dedication. That was, at least to this point, and I believe we can understand beyond, that was Hezekiah, king of Judah. When it says there was none like him before him among all the kings of Judah, nor any like him after him, you're talking about a man who was dedicated to God, was exemplary in his faithfulness and dedication. Something that ought to impress us greatly. And yet, when he was only 39 years old, grievously ill apparently, near death, God sent his prophet, Isaiah, to tell him 
Set your house in order. Get things ready because you're going to die and not live. 2 Kings 20 and verse 1. Isaiah 38 and verse 1. Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Ahaz, or Amoz, went to him and said to him, and this was not Isaiah speaking. He said, thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. Death is a reality in our lives because this physical life is not eternal. This physical life is only for a time. The scriptures tell us three score or perhaps four score, three score and 10, if by reason of strength, four score. We know that some people live beyond that, but we're talking about basically an average kind of age for humanity upon this earth before God. But but Hezekiah was only 39 years old, but illness takes some early in life. The Hebrews writer writes in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it is appointed unto men to die once, but after this the judgment. And so here is this grievous announcement from God through the prophet Isaiah. Set your house in order because you're going to die. Though sick, though near death, he must have been suffering for some time from whatever had stricken him. Still, this must have been an incredible shock to Hezekiah to hear those words from God's prophet, understanding that it wasn't just a man, Isaiah speaking, out of hand, but rather it was God's message to him through the prophet Isaiah. What a shock that must have been. What a shock. It would be an incredible shock to any one of us to hear those words today ourselves. If suddenly God were to speak to us in some way and we understand that he speaks to us through his word. He also opens doors and he makes things, ways to go, directions we should take, decisions we should make. I think because of his divine providence, the way he works behind the scenes, he makes some of those decisions pretty obvious. This is the way God would want us to go. And of course, we pray to God, please give us wisdom. Please give us your direction, your guidance. Help us to see what we need to do in this particular circumstance. And and I believe he answers those prayers by putting things in front of us to help us to see the wisdom of him and the wise way that we should exercise in moving forward in various situations. We need to pay attention. We need to open our eyes We need to think, we need to keep praying for God's wisdom and guidance. But here is Hezekiah, a good king, doing God's will, trying to do away with that ungodly and unfaithful practice that the Israelites had been warned against taking part in numerous times in the Old Testament scriptures. And yet they had fallen into that before Hezekiah came along. And he's trying to do away with that And still, 39 years old, God says, set your house in order because you're going to die and not live. How would you react if, and I'm simply talking about hypothetically, I'm not talking about this would be something that we could expect to see happen in our lives. 
But I'm talking about hypothetically. If God sent his messenger to tell you, set your house in order because you're going to die and not live. Now we know that that happens through medical people, doctors and surgeons and so on. We continually hear because in, in our lives we hear from people or hear about people who have been diagnosed with some terminal illness or perhaps we receive some communication by phone or somebody coming to visit us in person and said, did you hear about, or I just want to tell you, I want you to know, so-and-so has just passed away. And we're shocked at times, aren't we? But what if, what if God sent his servant, his prophet, and again, I'm just th- you know, speaking hypothetically, if you could imagine that in your mind's eye, and he came to you as Isaiah came to Hezekiah and said, God has sent me to tell you, set your house in order, for you should die and not live. What would be your response? What would go through your mind? What would be the first thing or the first several things that suddenly you would start thinking about, I need to set my house in order? Now, he's not talking about mainly the physical structure in which Hezekiah lived. And a lot of people might think, they might start thinking, well, if that's going to be the case, then I better start, make sure my bank accounts are all square, make sure I've got all the bills paid, make sure I've got, you know, the the grass cut and the laundry done and and those kinds of of just kind of situations and, and, and matters that are on the periphery of our life. Is that really what we ought to be thinking about? Now, probably to some extent, some of that was what Isaiah was trying to get across to Hezekiah because he was king. Make sure the affairs of the kingdom from your oversight perspective, make sure that's all taken care of. That's all in order. It's all in place so that your successor can move in with an easy transition and be effective in leading the people on as you have led them to this point. But that certainly should not be the primary matter in our mind. If we heard those words, set your house in order, for you're going to die. Would we be thinking about some actions that we had taken, some behavior that we had been a part of, that perhaps we needed to go to God in prayer and say, God, please forgive me of that? Would we think about some action of obedience that we had not gone through with, that God expects us to go through with? Maybe we had never been truly baptized, immersed in the waters of baptism into Christ so that the blood that God that God sent him to shed on that cross so long ago could cleanse us of the guilt of our sins so that we could truly, as taught in the scriptures, come into Christ, be forgiven, be saved. Would that be something that would go through our minds? Would we think about, maybe there's somebody I need to go to, or if I can't get to them physically, maybe I need to give them a call communicate with them directly and and say, I'm sorry for what I've done to you. 
or maybe what I've neglected to do for you. What would go through our minds? Fear, perhaps. I think that would be a natural emotional reaction. But what would that, when the shock initially wore off, what would we begin processing in our mind? I need to take care of some things. Has my life been right before God? Have I come up short in any way? What was Hezekiah's response? Well, the first thing Hezekiah did was pray. What a great response. What a great reaction to that instruction, communication from God through Isaiah. Set your house in order for you're going to die. He prayed and then he wept. He turned his face to the wall. He was obviously lying on his bed. And turning his face to the wall, I think we understand, he was seeking as he could physically at that time in his illness, grievous illness, he was trying to turn away from any distractions and in turning his face to the wall, give himself a sense of privacy where he could talk to God personally. Just him and God. And he prayed. And then he wept. In 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning with verse 2, Isaiah chapter 38, beginning with verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, and listen to this prayer. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. Could we pray that prayer? And I'm not talking about a knee-jerk kind of reaction and just from a mental perspective, say, oh yeah, I've, I've loved the Lord. I've... Have we lived the way God wants us to live? Remember that description of what Hezekiah did as king, tore down, destroyed those idolatrous places of worship where the people were worshiping idols, broke them in pieces, just did away with those places of worship. Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight, what you wanted me to do. Could we pray that prayer with absolute confidence that it would be true of our lives? And then Hezekiah wept bitterly. His prayer was that God would remember how he had served him, how he had been the king of God's people that God would want him to be as Hezekiah best understood how he could perform that task and that role and have done what was good in your sight. In 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning with verse 4, we read, And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the, into the middle court. It happened before Isaiah 
the prophet sent by God to tell Hezekiah, God says, get your house in order, you're going to die. Before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court, in other words, before he left the palace grounds, before he got outside of the boundaries of the palace grounds, that the word of the Lord came to him saying, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord and I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Isaiah didn't even get away from the palace until God, responding to Hezekiah's prayer, said, whoa, whoa turn around, go back. I've got another message for you, a new message. Tell Hezekiah I've heard his prayer. Tell him, I've seen your tears. God understood the heart of Hezekiah. And tell the king, I will heal you. I'll add 15 more years to your life. Imagine how Hezekiah must have rejoiced when Isaiah came back with that new message. And how had Hezekiah initiated on his part what he could do to receive that new communication from God through Isaiah? He prayed, prayed. I think we can understand, prayed earnestly, prayed deeply. And he wept bitterly before God. Opened his heart to the Lord himself. Set your house in order. What would go through your mind if you got that word from the Lord? Set your house in order. You're about to die. What would you be, what would you be thinking of? Is there something that you need to change in your life? That maybe you've just been pushing aside or maybe you've been too proud to admit, yeah, I need to make this change. Or maybe you've been hesitant to actually take that step of obedience before God or maybe repentance or whatever the case, the need might be. What would be your response? Hezekiah had served God faithfully and obviously had a relationship with God. And instead of focusing on those ordinary matters of life that we get all caught up in, things and money and things money can buy and all kinds of affairs of this world and this life, instead of focusing on those ordinary matters, Hezekiah prayed to the Father in heaven to remember his life of dedication to God. And he could pray that prayer with confidence. Oh, would that we could all pray that prayer with confidence and truthfulness in our heart at any time. And God heard Hezekiah's prayer. How would you respond? Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. If you had received that same message from God, if you received it, 
today or tomorrow. Could you pray that same prayer that Hezekiah was able to pray? And I'm not saying just memorizing words. Could you pray it in truthfulness, in sincerity? How would you respond? Could you ask God to remember you because you have walked before him in truth and with a loyal heart and you have done what was good in God's sight? To the best of your understanding, as you have studied his word and took it to heart and put it into practice sincerely and consistently in your life. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Are you doing that on a regular basis? Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you have been disqualified. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 17, beginning with verse 1, Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is, from a, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come before your presence. Let your eyes look on things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the works of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. And this, the sentiment, the basic understanding and sincerity of that particular text in that psalm, that was basically Hezekiah's life. It's the 26th Psalm, beginning with verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. And I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals. Nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not, will not sit with the wicked. Could you pray that prayer? Could you, could you say that in sincerity? Is that the situation in your life, the truth of your life? Are you ready? Are you ready to face death and stand before the judgment seat of our Lord on that final day? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, that day is coming, we're all going to be there. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Are you secure in Christ? Hezekiah could turn his face to the wall and pray that prayer with all sincerity and with all truthfulness. And God heard his prayer and responded in a way that gave Hezekiah a reprieve on life, physical life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul said, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In other words, by the teachings of God's word. Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Or have you put that off? Have you been telling yourself, I, 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 don't, I don't need to do that? 
Saul of Tarsus learned that he needed to make a 180 degree change, turn in his life. And so Ananias came to him and said, why are, you, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. Are you, are you trying to tell yourself, are you too proud to say, I've got to repent, I've got to change, I've got to turn my life over to the Lord. In Romans 6 and verse 3, do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? And Galatians 3 and verse 27, as many of you as, have, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ? Are you trying to deceive yourself by telling yourself, I'm okay, I don't need to? Or maybe you're saying, I know I need to, but I will one day. But what if that one day is today? Hezekiah was told, set your house in order, you're going to die. Are you living faithfully before Christ? You might say, I've been baptized, but are you living the Christian life faithfully, dedicated, or are you making excuse for just kind of drifting along and not living that total dedication that God expects of you? Jesus said, be faithful until death. And another translation actually says, unto death. Even if you have to die for your faith and your faithfulness, and I will give you the crown of life. Do you need to come to your Savior today? Jesus' invitation is always there for you. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Paul said, this is the time to obey the Lord, to come to him, either to become a Christian, being baptized into him for forgiveness and salvation, or to come back to him if you strayed away after having done that. He says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Because right now, is the only time you're sure of that you got. Right now, do you need to come to your Savior today and set your life in order? We encourage you to take that step if that's what you need to do as we stand together and sing.